Well, immediately I feel bad for you because this episode doesn't take place in the 90s. <laughs> we are truly getting more and more current as the season goes along. I know. And the kids, I was trying to explain to Lola how great the 90s were because the 90s were so fun and so great and no evidence. Wow. That's uh, not the turn I saw that taking. Of anything. <laughs> oh, you think I did that? Can't prove it. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyways, for those of you who really, really cherished the time when not everything was documented, just like us, welcome to Obsessed with <laughs> where Joey Taranto and I recap our favorite ID show, Disappeared. We are here today. How are you, my love? I'm good. I feel... That, that, that feels loaded. Keep going. <laughs> I'm ready for it, but it feels loaded. No, I'm good. Life is good. Okay. Yeah. How are you? Oh, I am... A Muppet. A mess. <laughs> but I... Did we ever find that voodoo doll? Yeah, no. Did we ever find its whereabouts? <laughs> Do you know how many Dalmiches checked on me today? So today is... Wednesday and our last episode just dropped and I had so many sweet dumb bitches slide into my, my DMs. They're like, are you okay? I was like, no. <laughs> but it's okay. <laughs> but I've learned to live with it. So have I, y'all. So have I. So if you would like more of Joey and I being nostalgic about the 90s, just kidding, talking about <laughs> your favorite ridiculous true crime show, please head on over to the Patreon. You can find us on our website by clicking the Patreon link. We would love to hang out with you. I gotta say, we get lots of, you know, loving critiques and, you know, ideas. You know, a couple one-star reviews. Nobody ever complains about their Patreon. <laughs> I will tell you that we do some of our best work over there. Uh, and we do love being in your ears two times a week. So we always give you something extra. And you'll find all of our ad-free content there. And uh, we're just having fun. We just, we're so happy that you're here. Should we get to the episode? I think so. Okay. <laughs> Season 9, Episode 8, Just Out of Sight, tells the story of the disappearance of Michael Van Zant. He's an Air Force veteran and father of three. He was fit. He was good-looking. He had a social life. He had it all. He lived for these kids, always trying to teach them different things, always motivating and encouraging them. On a night out with friends, something goes terribly wrong. They had their friend downtown at one point. And next thing they know, he's gone. We're looking for a needle in the haystack. We don't have anything to go off of. How could we possibly lose an entire person? Security video seems to reveal his last known moments. And here's Michael. Wow. And the appearance of strangers only deepens the mystery. The first thing our investigators were thinking is, Somebody's not telling the truth. Leaving loved ones grief-stricken and without answers. The kids miss their father. They miss him every single day. So here we are. It's Saturday, March 5th, 2016 in Lancaster, California on the edge of the Mojave Desert? Yeah, what was the weather like in Lancaster that day, Joseph? I'm a guest hot. Christopher says it was... A clear, dry afternoon in Lancaster, California, on the edge of the Mojave Desert. And water's wet, and yeah. the sky is blue. Thank you, Christopher. And we hear about 36-year-old Michael Van Zant, who is having lunch with his three kids, yeah. and they have great names. Yeah. Keaton... Jaden and Kylea. Love it. And they are precious. And yeah, we see an actual family photo of all of them. Yeah. And then, listen, this is my most favorite thing. I'm going to speak to it in a little bit, but Chris Shane is Michael's ex wife. Yeah. And she's here. And she says the most adorable and sweet things about him. She just says that he was just born to be a dad and what a fantastic person that he is. Uh, and just it, it speaks to how wonderful, you know, he was loving and encouraging. And I just got to say, I know I have mentioned this before, but like you and I have never experienced this. One, your parents aren't separated. Two, my parents were, you know, but like joint custody arrangements can be exhausting. Yeah. And like, 
irritating and stressful, especially if like, you know, shit got real contentious, like with your yeah. ex-partner. And I'm not a researcher, but I'm sure I could find some research to prove how much better your child's life and mental health would be if you have like a cohesive unit. You know, I mean, I just fucking love that. And she says, look, the kids were truly his whole life. He, he was always looking for things to do with them. It's like me when I hang out with kids. I'm always looking for fun things to do with them, like drop them back off at their parents' house. <laughs> uh, like, where is this going? <laughs> drop them off at school, even if it's closed. Juggling knives. <laughs> Basically, I like to do all the yeah. fun things. What do you drink? Vodka sodas? Yeah. Two vodka sodas. <laughs> Joey, she's 13. Oh, okay. With a lemon? With a lemon. <laughs> Michael's parents divorced when he was two, and he was raised primarily by his mother, Robin. He grew up with two brothers and a stepbrother, more than 2,000 miles from Lancaster, in Pleasant Lake, Michigan. It was a great place to grow up. With the lake, we had a lot of activities to do, from boating to fishing, lake sports. Let me tell you who the down bitch of the episode is, and that is Brother Tyler. That's right. Brother Tyler is here. He is so cute. And he tells us about, you know, their backstory of life, you know, growing up together. They all love the outdoors. They love playing at the lake. But their house was a little crowded. Yeah. You know? And it turns out as little as a little boy, <laughs> truly, everybody loves something different. Because I was obsessed with Barbie dolls and everything Disney. And Michael was obsessed with the military. That's what he wanted to be in. Yeah. We see little pictures of him dressed up as like kind of like a little army dude. And we see some of his drawings and stuff and it's just kind of seemed like a lifelong dream we love our people who serve and he loved it he loved being in he the military he got to see the world yeah Korea Japan that's where he met his wife Chrishane and they were both from Michigan they hit it off and then in October of 2001 they got married yeah Michael was 20 and Chrishane was 18 that's that's really young. That's so young. That's how old my parents were when they got married. Yeah. Nobody come for me in the comments. I'm sure you make it work. It just, you just seem, it, that's five years away from my daughter right now. Yeah. I could not even imagine it. But then they had three kids. It's a lot of kids. It's a lot of kids. By, kids. by 2006. That's when you're five so years. Kind of, good math, baby. Thank you. And Michael served for 12 years. He did two tours in Iraq. Holy moly. I mean, thank you for your service, Michael. That is not easy. Yeah. And he took that job. Very seriously. Yes. So then in 2011, after, like you said, 12 years of, of duty, Michael left the service. Duty. He got What? Duty. I don't. I... <laughs> <laughs> you remember that, friends, where he's like, you'll have a lot of duties. <laughs> you know, I've been told I come on too strong, make too many jokes. You know? And then it was really hard to sidestep that duty thing. <laughs> duties. Duties. Poo. Oh, God. I can't can't be trusted with a microphone. No, you can't. In 2011, after 12 years of military duty, Michael chose to leave the service and got a civilian job with the Air Force in the military equivalent of human resources. He was great at his job. Yeah, he was. And he had a lot of fun doing it. It didn't take long for us to become friends. During the next few years, Michael and Crescene realized that though they still cared for each other, they'd grown apart and decided to end their marriage. So he got a civilian job with the Air Force, essentially doing whatever the military equivalent of human resources is. Have I ever told you that I'm a human resources nightmare in corporate America? You know, but baby, I you haven't said those exact words, uh-huh. but I have a great imagination. Yeah. And I've seen you be a human resource nightmare to a lot of people. <laughs> Feel like you don't even need to say it, but go on with the bore fill. Well, what? when I worked at Henry Bendel on uh, Fifth uh, Avenue, no good. Yeah, there was a woman, an older woman, who I did like. We were we had, were friendly. We yeah. had a good rapport. And one day, I made like a remember my big fat Greek wedding when Andrea Martin grabs her by the collarbone and is like, "I could snap you like a chicken." Yeah, I did that bit with her, and that was on a Friday. And Monday, I got called into HR, and I was friends with the head of HR. Thank God. And her name was Sarah, and she meets me outside of her office, and she goes. Did you grab Lorraine's titty? And I said, what? Did she use the word titty? Yes. Probably, <laughs> I love that Probably word. not. Probably not. <laughs> but I was like, I absolutely did not. She goes, Joey, 
the best advice I can give you is to sit in this office and just apologize because uh-huh. she is very upset. Okay. So, it, it, I mean, listen, <laughs> you were not made for retail. No. I get it. I would rather remove my eyeball with an ice cream scoop <laughs> than do retail. So, honey, know your gifts. Anyway. I mean, listen, if I ever make someone uncomfortable, tell me, but don't say I grabbed your titty. Okay. Hey, Lorraine, if you're listening, um, <laughs> I I support you. We believe women. Okay. So, okay. Joey can't work in HR and he's inappropriate. Um, <laughs> and he gives the best hugs. Yes. Um, so over time, Michael and Crescene, listen, they split. They split in 2014. It was amicable. They just decided you've grown apart. Now, I do not wish divorce on people. I do not wish separation on people. But listen, you don't know who you are at 18. Listen, my DMs are going to blow up. I know some people make it work and you put in the work and it is work. But people do grow apart. You're not the same person you are at 18 than you are at 30. Absolutely not. And I admire them just saying, I love you. I am not my best self around you. Yeah. I I admire the shit out of that. Yeah. And they were like, how do we co-parent and make our kids the priority, put our egos aside, and make this work? I mean, we could go down the road of making each other's lives hell, but why would we want to do that? I mean, to come hang out with me, maybe. (laughs) There's great, there's great coffee and bars on that road. Oh, God. So they talked every day. They did everything for their kids. They only lived a couple miles away. And that's what they did. They put their kids' needs aside of their own ego and hatred for each other. They didn't hate each other. They just grew apart. It fucking happens. Yeah. You know? This family is so, so lovely, truly. And while his divorce wasn't yet final, for the first time in 15 years, he was effectively a single man. And it was difficult for him. He's now mid-30s. It was a lot of question marks around, am I too old? I have three children. Who's going to date me? Dealing with rejection and dealing with, you know, self-esteem issues and trying to figure out the best way to go about this whole new dating scene that he, you know, wasn't a part of for so long. So even though the divorce wasn't final, Michael was living the single life. Because we are living single. Ooh, in a 90s kind of world. I'm glad I got my You mean girls. Living Single, the show that Friends absolutely copied? Oh, did they? Absolutely. I love Living Single. Yeah, and, and Living Single came first. I believe it. Yeah, I will die on that hill. But, you know, listen, and Michael started dating in his 30s, and he's like, wait, I basically went from, like, high school to the military to married life to dad, dad life, yeah. and now, you know, I'm fucking single. And dating in your 30s is either a fucking blast, because you don't care, or, <laughs> you're, you, you know, if you want a relationship again, you're just waiting for the good ones to get divorced. Yeah. You're just like, you know, TikTok. Yeah. You know? Oh, divorced, you don't say. What are you doing Thursday night? <laughs> Uh, You know, and so he finally met in July of 2015. Michael met a lovely woman by the name of Monique. And she's here. This blended family, everybody is here. I love it. Keep going. I do too. And she's like, look, first and foremost, we were friends. Yeah. We had a great time together. We had a lot of fun. And Christopher is here to remind us that they have a... Though there is a 10-year age difference between them. What of it, Christopher? You... <laughs> what of it? Remember last week when I was like, he was 46 and she was 23. Joey's neck pulled back. I, I got him a brace. They had a 10-year age difference, but Monique had a son. They mixed their families. And Michael embraced her son the way he did his own. And listen... Again, I admire the shit out of this. He wasn't ready. He wasn't. And by December, he was like, look, I'm newly separated. I'm I'm not quite ready for a serious relationship, but I enjoy your company. How do we figure this out? And they became best friends. Best friends. Best friends. I freaking love that. I love that he was like... I can't do it. You tried it. You tried it. You gave it a go. And you were like, no, you know, he needed a minute. He, his whole life was dedicated to, you know, serving his country, being a husband and a dad. He just didn't have it figured out. I just love that. So and also normalize changing your mind. Yeah. You're like, I thought I was ready. But then a while later, I was like, you know what? I'm not ready for this. Yeah. And that's okay. Now, Michael grew up in a very cramped living space, and he didn't want that for his kids. So he lived in that apartment that he got for a year, and then he got approved for a mortgage on a house. For him and his kids in early 2016, the plan was to move into the home in March. So Michael's very excited for this new chapter. Yeah, he just wanted a nicer place for his kids to be. So on this day, he has lunch, you know, with his kids. We're back at March Fish. 
See, the Lord. The Lord works in mysterious ways and not so mysterious ways. He we're saw what at, she were doing. He said, here, let me put a few, just we're a few at, marbles in that mouth. Let her ch- choke, we're back choke at on these for just a second, just to humble you. Thank you, Jesus. I know I don't believe in you, but I appreciate the sometimes work you do. So we're back at March 5th, the day he, you know, he has lunch, drops them to their moms. He has plans in Hermosa Beach with some friends. Michael has plans with Jamie, a friend from work, and some of her friends, to watch a series of mixed martial arts fights that night in Hermosa Beach. I invited Mike, like, the day before, on Friday at work. I was like, hey, we're going down. You're more than welcome to join us. Mike was so charismatic and energetic that he was really, really easy to bring around new people. He was so much fun. An hour later, Michael is on the road to Hermosa Beach to meet Jamie and her friends at a local bar. They're going to watch a mixed martial arts show. Yeah, UFC fighting. I do not like it. I Listen, I have paid $60 for 48 seconds worth of disappointment before. Do you know what I mean? Dinner and drinks. Uh, but I enjoy it. I don't. The cast of Spider-Man, we used to nope. go out and go watch it at a bar nope. on 8th Avenue. It's aggressive. It looks painful. It is. They, I'm like, the hell? Yeah. Like, I don't like it. Yeah, it's that not for everybody. Like it hurts. It does hurt, honey. I don't, why would you go and be like, you know what I feel like today? I feel like getting knocked upside the head. No, I don't like it. It's really aggressive. Potato, potato. Not everything is for you. Ugh, you're a monster. You're not cut out for UFC. I'm, no. And you're definitely not cut out for butt stuff. <laughs> so, <laughs> I just looked straight at the camera because I'm like, that's going on TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> so Michael drives down to Hermosa for the very, very unfortunate event that is UFC. They do make a lot of money, though. They do, and, but they pay for it. And so on that drive, he catches up with his two brothers and Monique. Monique is in Vegas on vacation, and he goes to park his car at a Quality Inn because his friends were going to get a hotel room, which, you know, they didn't want to drive back to wherever, you know, they all Two hours to Lancaster. Yeah, they all lived. Exactly. So he parks his car at the Quality Inn, and he Ubers to the underground, which was the bar they were going to go watch that show at. I I don't approve. (laughs) So Jamie and friends, their names are Kyle, Mary, and Randall. And they've been at the bar for a few hours. So Michael's like, let me catch up. Yeah. I have been there. Yeah. And we see a video of Michael taken on Jamie's phone and he's just being playful, clearly having fun. And I'm like, this is a guy we would be friends with. That's exactly what I said. He was like... uh, what do you call it? He's like pinching the guy's yeah, crotch. He was like pinching his butt in the video and being like, exactly something you or I would do to be stupid. Yeah. And the fight ends at 10 p.m. and they're all like, let's go bar hopping. Yeah. So they hop in line to get into a place called American Junkie. But Michael soon grows restless. Michael, who hates waiting in line, God forbid he has to stand still. He said he was going to use a bathroom in the liquor store next door. And he'd be right back. After a few minutes, Michael doesn't return. Jamie and her friends decide to leave the line for American Junkie and go to a different bar. And then I texted him a few times, called him a few times. It was going straight to voicemail. So they're in line. Michael hates lines. Same. Same. I don't know who I thought I was in college, but if there was a line, I would walk to the front and pretend I knew the manager. I am not even kidding. That is so on brand. I know. 21-year-old Ellen had the audacity of a basic white man. White man. <laughs> I was like, excuse I'll never forget. And my friends used to be like, how do you do that? I'm like, I don't know, but let's go. So Michael's like, I need to go to the bathroom. So he goes into the liquor store to use the bathroom. Now, just remember that because we're going to circle back to this. Yeah. And that is the last time his friends see him. Yeah. And Jamie, his coworker, says... We kept bar hopping and we kept an eye out for Michael, but it wasn't unlike him to meet someone and end up like dipping out for the night to hang out with whatever group of people he met. And they kept texting him. They didn't want to wait in the line, which totally like he was gone. They're like, okay, Michael, come meet us at the fuzzy nipple. So they're calling him and they're texting him straight to voicemail. No, Michael. And and that's what they thought. They're like, you know what? He probably ran into a buddy. Maybe he's talking to a girl. I hope he's talking to a girl, you know, and they're calling and they're texting and they're like, the fuck? Like... What's yeah. going on? And so the bars close at 2 a.m. So Jamie and friends head back to the hotel. 
see Michael's car parked in the garage, but he's nowhere to be found. Yeah. And so by the next afternoon, there's still no word from Michael, and Jamie's like, I had a very bad feeling. Yeah. So Jamie heads back to Lancaster, and Jamie's like, I'm going to make some calls. Yeah. So she starts calling the jails and the hospitals, which isn't crazy. Listen, if your friend goes, maybe something happened, he didn't have his idea, they could not get a hold of him, and his phone was going to voicemail. Honey, she's a DB with a minor, and bitch, I'm going to find you. That's right. So then Jamie's like, okay, I'm going to swing by his apartment. Maybe he took an Uber home, which I have done. I have, like, had a plan to go somewhere with somebody and Ubered myself the fuck home. Yeah. Like. I love an Irish goodbye. No, it was an unplanned Irish goodbye. I spent, like, $100, like, 10 years ago in San Francisco. I was like, I don't want to be here anymore. And I'm drunk and I feel weird. And I just Ubered home. Good for you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I didn't tell anyone, so that wasn't very good. But anyway. Well, I got your location now. We ain't got to (laughs) worry. If anyone ever needs to know where I am, just DM Joey. Later that evening, Jamie goes to his apartment to see if he made it home without telling anyone. But his car isn't there. She bangs on the door. There's no answer. Jamie isn't the only person trying to track down Michael. His ex-girlfriend Monique began texting him earlier that day from Las Vegas. I figured his phone was dead. So I tried to call Michael on Sunday and it went straight to voicemail. So, recap, he went missing on Saturday. Sunday, no one can get in touch with him. Yeah. And by Monday, March 7th, his son is supposed to have oral surgery. Yeah. And he needed to, like, bring some insurance stuff there. And Crescene was, like, calling, and it was going straight to voicemail. So, Crescene calls Monique and Tyler. She's like, hello. Like, you know, he needs to have oral surgery, and we need those insurance papers. And they're like, are you worried? She's like, no, I need the paperwork. (laughs) Like, she's like, I'm sure he's fine. I just need this, like, insurance stuff. So, Monique is like, you know what? Monique had the key. So, she's like, I'll swing by his apartment. I'll get the information for you. And everything looked totally normal. So then at this point, Kershane calls Michael's job. And they're like, yeah, funny enough, he didn't show up for work. And that is completely out of character for him. Yeah. Everybody says that. And he wouldn't just not show up. And so that's when Kershane was like, okay, something is wrong here. And even coworker Jamie went and was like, knocked on the boss's door and was like... Have you seen Michael? And then finally the job was like, wait, why is everyone looking for Michael? Yeah. Like, what? what's going on? So Jamie's like, I think we need to report him missing. She's like, I'm leaving. Yeah. I'm not coming back because, honey, Jamie also has a minor in. I got no time for your shit. Yeah. And in that time, Jamie calls ex-wife Kershane and tells her exactly what happened at Hermosa Beach. You know, about being in line and then, you know, not being able to get in touch with him and bar hopping, all that stuff. Right. And then Christopher says his loved ones are growing increasingly worried. And then it pans on someone. I don't know who this is supposed to be in the reenactment. All I know is ID absolutely did not want to do an advertisement for Apple. (laughs) I don't know who. It was just someone at a computer and they were like, can you put a little paper thing over the Apple? I'm not, we're not doing free advertising on this show. (laughs) I was like, was that necessary? We know it's an Apple, my man. Like, it was just so weird. But I was like, who's that supposed to be? It was like fucking Scoops Daniels with the freaking oatmeal. So Monique was like, you know what? I don't know what to do. I'm going to drive down to Hermosa Beach and just fucking look for him. In the meantime, Monique decides to drive down to Hermosa Beach to see if she can find Michael. Her first stop is the Quality Inn. I saw his car was locked. His common access card, which is what he uses at work on the base, was where I could see it. So I knew that he had to be around Hermosa somewhere. And she can see his access card because he worked on a naval base. And she's like, well, it's there. So he's got to be in Hermosa. He still has to be there, right. So she goes to the police. Everyone pull over. I'll give you a minute. And basically, the detective told me he's not a child. So in this instance, he's an adult making his own decisions, and we cannot treat it as a missing persons report until he's been gone for X amount of time. Not enough time has gone by to declare him missing. Does anyone listen to our podcast? I don't understand how anybody can be so careless with that kind of response. And it's like, babe, 
do your job. Also, what are you doing at Hermosa Beach, like pulling over pedicabs for having expired licenses and biking down the boardwalk? I have been to Hermosa. It is a sleepy little town. Have you? Yeah. Hermosa what? Beach? Yeah, why? I had an ex that lived in Redondo. The sushi chef. This is a great story. Quad. He was a surfer. <laughs> I had a big surfer thing many, many years. Many His name moons was ago. Quad. We've talked about this. Yeah. Okay. Many moons ago. Anyway, so Monique was like, okay, like, I, I'm coming to the police, the ones that are supposed to protect and serve, and you are not protecting or serving. Cool. Thanks, bros. So now Michael's family and friends get on social media to spread the news that he's missing. And with hours, it went viral. Yeah. And so Tyler and Charles, who were Michael's brothers, are like, okay, we got to go down to Hermosa as well. On the morning of March 8th, more than two days after he went missing, Michael Van Zandt's brothers, his estranged wife, and former girlfriend head to the Hermosa Beach Police Station and are met by one of the detectives. He had come outside to talk to us introduced himself and told us that we understand your concern. Now that you have not heard from him for a couple days, you know, we really need to get cracking on this and figure out what happened to him. So now Michael's brothers and his ex-wife and Monique, they're like, Hi. Hi, have we waited long enough? Did our waiting period pass by where we can actually say that our loved one is fucking missing? Can we make a report now? Yeah, is Does that okay with you? Ink? They changed their tune real fast. They went from being like, sorry, can't help you, to... I'm right on top of that, Rose. And that's when we meet Sergeant Robert Higgins of the Hermosa Police Department. I don't like this man. Well, he's here to tell you that handlebar mustaches never went out of style, and he's been <laughs> rocking them since the mid-'80s, and they're not going anywhere. He also wants you to know that his first step was to call around the hospitals. And they were like, hey, remember when you told us that we had to, like, wait two days? We already started doing all those preliminary things while you guys were sitting here drinking your iced fraps or whatever. So you want to do it again? Yeah. You're going to do it again? Yeah. Coworker Jamie's like, thanks a lot for doing, now volunteering to do the shit I did days ago. Yeah. And they do it again. They're like, also, we decided to check the area where he was last seen. They're like, did that? We did that too. <laughs> but then brother Tyler is like, Listen, you got to check the water at the beach. And the cops are like, yeah, without a witness placing him there and seeing him go into the ocean, that's going to be hard. Do you know how missing people works? Also, no one has seen him. Also, your police department is on the beach. <laughs> it's on the beach. It is on the beach. Literally, beach is in the title of your police department. Yeah. Really? I'm fine. Is he on the beach? Is he on the beach? I doubt it. I mean. I doubt it. What the Anyone fuck? Anyone want a cronut? Anyway, so they were like. <laughs> I want a cronut. Oh, that sounds delicious. So they were like, yeah, Um. well, let's see. He walked away to use the bathroom. They're like, are you starting from zero? <laughs> well, yes. Is there a parrot in here? You are just repeating everything. So the family's like, you sit here with the cronuts and your handlebar mustache. We're going to go pass out flyers. We're going to go talk to all the businesses. And that's what the family fucking did. So the Hermosa Police Department was like, should we find those four friends they were with? <laughs> They're like, we're all here! <laughs> So, well, that's what they do. They start with Jamie, and she's like, sure, I'll tell you this all again. Investigators know the first people they need to speak with are the four friends Michael was with that night. A detective starts with Jamie. He started talking with her, finding out who Michael was with and the last time they, that he was seen. Jamie recounts the evening exactly as she had in the missing persons report. Within a day, the detective also speaks with two of the other friends who each corroborate Jamie's account and provide no new leads. And the other two friends are able to corroborate. He's like, okay, so you're saying he disappeared. I mean... Got it. Interesting. Okay, great. Can we talk to the other friends? <laughs> they're like, we're right here. They're, yeah. they're like in the waiting room. They're like, we're right here, my man. We're right here. Yeah, it's a clown car. Yeah. Hermosa Beach Police Department is a clown car. Yeah, and they were like, yeah, he walked away from us Yeah. at the bar to use the bathroom, and then we didn't see it. And they're like, so you are also saying 
he disappeared. Okay. <laughs> All right. I'm I'm got this. Yeah. yeah. Now spell disappear. Yeah. If we get this guy's, he's as useful as yeah. tits on a nun. I swear to God. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. We were talking about <laughs> tits this on before. A nun. Yeah. And it's, so yeah, they corroborate the story. There's no new leads. Then they get his cell phone records. Take a look at the pings. Shocked to no one, the last ping was downtown Hermosa around 9.45, and the phone goes off. Correct. All information we had 48 hours ago. Yeah. So you're, what are you doing? You're giving me nothing. I'm going to get a letter from the Hermosa Police Department. Good. Anyway, so then Christopher was like. That coincides with what Michael's friends and family say. Basically, this like three stooges coppery, the clownery, the buffoonery, the laziness. I'm not here for anything. Listen, I recognize your right to support and rock your handlebar mustache, sir. But I do not support you wasting all this time and basically backtracking what all these down bitches already fucking did. It just screams lazy. Do you know what I mean? It just screams lazy. And also just some kind of, it's not entitlement, but like, let me handle it. And then you come up with the same result. You know, you know what what's I mean? so crazy is I saw a TikTok the other night and it was literally this cop going through this woman's bag and she's like, go ahead, go through my bag. You're not going to find anything. And he goes, no, you stop. He's like, we are in control. And she goes, motherfucker, you ain't in control of shit. Shut the fuck up and go through my bag and give it back to me. And he goes, I will arrest you. And she's like, you have no reason. Yeah. She's like, you don't even have a reason. I was like, yeah, get him, get him, Jade, get him. I love those videos on TikTok. So now they decide to go through security footage. Yeah. Before we say that, I just want to say that like, I get angry at these kinds of things and people are like, yeah, not respect the police. No, but like we're dealing with real people's lives and real people's loved ones. And you don't have to be in true crime to know those beginning hours where you just sat around and waited instead of taking the fucking report and giving these people support. It just doesn't make sense. Like, I I don't know. It just, also, it, my other thing is just that can't you deduce Quickly, by a series of questions to the family and closest friends, if that person is someone who is inclined to go missing on purpose or, you know what I mean? Yeah, because if it was me, they'd be like, she would never... She might. She's been pretty <laughs> tired lately. She actually might have gone. Yeah. 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 But no, it, it's true. I'm sorry. I don't like getting like this. This man is Irish step dancing on my patience. Turn this car around. Okay. <laughs> the police also have one more source of potential evidence. Security cameras are mounted throughout Pier Plaza, where most of the bars are located. Hermosa Beach has its city-run surveillance system that covers the Pier Plaza area, which is the area that Michael was last seen in. We check with the area businesses, which also have surveillance. If they can identify Michael somewhere in the hundreds of hours of video, maybe they can determine where he went after separating from his friends. So now investigators are focusing on security footage. And in the meantime, put a pin in that, the local news picks up the story. And national. This made national news, which is amazing. I hope that for every family. I want everybody's face to get out there all the time. It doesn't always happen, but that's, you know, good for them. So we're four days out on March 9th, and they kind of get a little bit of a hit on the security footage. At about 1145, there's a guy in the plaza that looks like Michael and looks like this guy, Randall, and we, like, sort of, like, see their interaction. So this puts us at, like, 1140 2 p.m. Now, I got to give it up to whoever is looking at this security footage because it is like a Where's Waldo of Hollister dudes wearing collar shirts. Like, how do you (laughs) tell? It's like, this now this is a salmon Hollister shirt. Like, how do you tell them all apart? It's like a frat party. It really is. So hats off to you, whoever found that needle in that haystack. Truly. And so we see someone, rec- it seems like someone like recognized Michael and was like, oh, bro, Yay! hey, what's up? Yeah. And as they examine it closer, they're like, wait a minute. That looks like Randall. Randall was one of Jamie's friends from Lancaster that was out with them that night. And we see the footage. We see Randall outside. And yeah. we see and the I mean, hug. It, does. it looks like just a tall, baldish dude. It looks like Michael. Yeah. And so that's when they shift their focus to Randall. And then they see Michael and Randall walking east away from the beach. I'm not Lewis and Clark. What, they're walking, well, the reason what, is they're, because they're walking they, away. Just they, they're walking yeah. away. Well, that's when they decide to tell the family, Michael's family, like, hey, by the way, we found some footage. Yeah. Focus your, uh, your search efforts on the east end of town. And we're yeah. like... 
Okay, okay. we'll do that. Yeah, all right, Magellan. So no, <laughs> so then no one can get a hold of Randall, which is super suspicious. He's not returning anyone's call. And then March 11th, they finally get a hold of him, and Randall's like, I mean, yeah, no, I saw Michael, and we were waiting for him, and then he went to the liquor. He tells the same story. We went to the liquor store, and then we went to a different place, and no one can get a hold of him. And he's like, no, I didn't I didn't meet up with him and, like, give him a hug and go up with another crew. I was, like, with my crew, and I, I didn't leave the other group of people. So it wasn't Michael and Randall. It wasn't. Yeah, somebody who stayed up late on March 12th, which, by the way, that's that marks a week since Michael's been missing. I really thought you were going to say that was Ellen's birthday. I really thought you were going to, like— turn that around no okay it's it's not important but i i thought that's where that was going i'm sorry it's okay my little pisces queen and so (laughs) the detective suggests they now concentrate their search at the other end of pier plaza where the beach is fearing that michael may have somehow ended up in the water his loved ones scour the shoreline from both the ground and the air Michael's younger brother, Charles, spends a day combing the sand with a metal detector. Tyler and Crescene hire a helicopter and search the coastline north and south of Hermosa Beach. So the family is not stopping. No. They put on their Down Bitch University sweatshirts and they're like, let's go. They're combing the beaches, the shore. They get a helicopter. Do you know how they got a helicopter? They rented one. They know a guy. They... <laughs> You walked right into that I one. sure did. I they, know a guy. They know a guy. I know, know a guy. They got a police scanner. Do you know how they got that? How? They know a guy. <laughs> no, wait, 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 which is funny because we just on, I almost got away with it. They yeah. were listening to police scanner. I feel like that would either be really exciting or really boring. Absolutely. Like, what are they, either way, I want one. But who knew that there was an app? I mean, Monique downloaded an app on her phone where she could listen yeah. to the police scanner. And so they're listening to this police scanner, which I feel like I would just like do all day and like be a creepy voyeur yeah. and be like what are you doing lieutenant tom <laughs> what are you wearing lieutenant tom well, they, could, they would that's i'm pretty sure illegal you wouldn't be able to do that i don't know my dreams of a police scanner are dead and buried anyway either way <laughs> they're listening to the police scanner and they say someone matching michael's description is seen in manhattan beach down bitches jump in the car and they head there and before they even get there, it wasn't Michael. It they, wasn't Michael. They heard on the police this scanner. family encounters this a lot, but baby, nothing was going to stop them. No. They are doing everything. They're using metal detectors, going up and down the beach. They keep going back to the idea that he was on or around the beach because he loved the beach. And then this is where, oof, I just got chills. Yeah. When I say I got chills, I got a little bump of chills. It's yeah. Tr- yeah, this is when ex-wife Kershane tells the story of how they were on vacation in Hawaii once, and after hours of drinking in the dark, he went and swam in the ocean and scared the shit out of her. But also, brother Tyler has a similar story. Michael's brother Tyler also had a similar disturbing experience with him. The last time they saw each other, two months earlier in San Diego. We had went and had dinner in the hotel lobby, and I had to get to bed because I had to get up early for a golf tournament. Michael stayed in uh, for drinks. Get a knock on the door, and Michael is in his underwear, soaking wet without any of his possessions. He said he went swimming. And so he was like, bro, why are you in your underwear and soaking wet? He's like, I went swimming in the ocean. I left my clothes and my keys and my phone out there, so I got to go back out there. And he's like, okay. Dries off, puts a new change of clothes on, goes out, comes back 30 minutes later, and he's soaking wet again because he had gotten his shit, but decided to go back into the ocean. Yeah. They had a long talk. Like, you cannot swim at night and drunk. So then we get to week two since Michael has disappeared, and there's a development in the case. Yeah. And so another detective actually does find Michael on the security camera. Now, this is some see-no-evil shit. So the whole thing is exactly how everyone... Oh, I'm getting chills again. Because you just see the way it happened. So you see him get in line with Jamie, and then you see him say, I got to go to the liquor store to go to the bathroom. And then we get the liquor store footage. Here's Michael coming out of the front door of Robert's Liquor. He's actually going to hang a right and he's gonna walk alone to the corner of the bank, and he's gonna hang a right and go southbound on Hermosa Avenue from there. And the group is still here waiting in line. Yeah, they didn't obviously didn't see him walk out and walk that way. Police speculate that Michael was looking for a restroom, 
But during the few minutes that he was gone, his friends decided to leave the line and go to a different bar. He makes a right and then a right. So he goes around the corner, probably just to go to the bathroom. Like yeah. there was no, he probably just went to like do the boy thing, you know, just, you know, anywhere. drain the dragon. You know what I mean? Okay. Y'all are gross. Uh, you know, that's probably what he did. So then, oh, y'all, this is where we see, we see this whole pattern of he walks back to the line as Randall is leaving the line. And you see him well, looking. All, friend, all, yeah, of the all of them. We just see Randall because he's like, there's Randall. Yeah. You know? And he's looking, right? His head is going like this, looking for his friends. And remember, they went to another bar. <sighs> Michael goes back to the liquor store to get some whiskey. And we see him looking at his phone. And it doesn't light up. Yeah, they can't see. The detective tells us, like, a phone, you won't be able to see the screen. Yeah. But you can see Absolute, it light up. Absolutely, yeah. And you can see him kind of fiddle with it and yeah. probably be like, you know, fuck, my phone is dead. And he goes out and you all, they keep countering each other. Yeah. It was By seconds. Yeah, by seconds. Like, he goes right and they go left. And they're it's like they're countering around. It's like fucking West Side Story. Yeah. They are just all moving. I was screaming. Yeah. I was screaming because I'm watching these people with your phone dead. Your phone being dead. That, I mean, that's horrible. When you can't get a hold of someone. And listen, you, you can't use that excuse of, well, when I was a kid, it doesn't matter. That's not how we function right now. That's not the way the world works. Also, there's no payphones anywhere. No. Payphones are not a thing anymore. Even if there were, I can't remember anybody's number. Exactly. I think maybe I know my mom's. Yeah. All I know is you have a, a San Francisco number. Yeah. I don't, you can me, are you 917? No. <laughs> okay, there yeah. we go. Yeah. I only know your number if I knew your number before cell phones. Yeah. Like I know my grandmother's number. Yeah. And she's not even on this earth anymore, but I still know her number. Well, I mean, it's wild. And so. Do you want me to talk about my dead grandmother or no? No. I, she was so funny. Oh. Uh, Elenuch, don't tell anyone, <laughs> but I like Obama. Anyway, she loved Obama. Um, so, but how? It's, I, it's I haunting. Was, I was screaming. And even more harrowing than watching that footage is seeing the last image they yeah. have of Michael at 11.27 p.m. walking alone towards the beach. Yep. And so <sighs> the family says, look, if he did go to the water... Why can't we find any trace of him? Like his clothes, his wallet, his phone. I mean, the truth is anywhere at night can be dangerous. Mm -hmm. Someone could easily have just been like, look at that and stolen it. Yep. Or he was drunk enough that he was like, I'm just going to go in with all my clothes on. Yep. You never know. You never know. Tyler researches the weather and ocean temperatures for the day Michael disappeared and learns that the water was rough and the currents treacherous. The Coast Guard said that the current could have taken him actually further back out into the ocean. So there's a lot of question marks of on whether or not that's the answer. So down bitch brother Tyler was like searching the currents oh. and the tides of the night. I was like a man after my own heart looking at like weather systems. Oh, I love <laughs> you, Tyler. And, and it was sarcasm. Are you serious? No, I love I look up that shit all the time. Wow. Yeah, I'm a nerd. You know that. And <laughs> I will never forget also going back to dating a very hot surfer with a six pack and he was very, very sweet. You're not supposed to surf by yourself. Right. And I remember he lived with his sister and he was like, I went out without a buddy. And his sister, Mariah, got really upset that he went out without a buddy. Yeah. It's really, really dangerous. Yeah. Like, it's, are... it's like, you know, I don't even swim in a pool by myself. That's weird. You're not supposed to. I mean, I've swum laps by myself before. It's but so peaceful. I'm sure it is, but also it's it can be dangerous. Sure. Like you hit your head and nobody is there. Yeah. Have you seen the movie Elite? I mean, the TV show Elite? No. Okay. Anyway. Um, Do you see how you came for me and then you turned around at the end? How'd I come for you? You were like, yeah, I didn't see that. Like, make a, like swimming by, in a pool by yourself is fine. It's not fine. I just have never heard that. You don't have to get mad at me. I'm just saying. I'm very. Well, uh, you gave me those witch eyes. What are the witch eyes? Like this. Can we, can we have a playback of the video, please? If I gave him witch eyes. Thank you very much. At the end of March 2016, a little more than three weeks after Michael disappeared, the police informed Tyler and Crescene that while the investigation remains open, there is little else they can do. His quote was, all proactive measures have been taken, um, which is wasn't surprising to hear. It's just disheartening. And so then 
the police, this is so weird. I don't think I have ever heard a police department say this. They basically tell the family there's nothing more they can do. And I was like, I feel like this police department is like a paper straw. Like, it seems like a good idea. Like, it seems like it's doing the right thing. And then it's just a mess. Do you know what I mean? Like, uh, it's, yeah, that is not something you should ever say to a family who is searching for a loved one. Because I will say, I will harken back to, you know, my ex-boyfriend and now best friend, Anthony Rykowski. He said <laughs> on our live, he's like, you never give up. No. You never give up. And let's say they're like, I, I think that guy went out to say, you don't say that to the family. No. You don't say there's nothing more we can do. That sort of made me nauseous a little bit. Absolutely. Well, because they're like, hey, we're going to keep the case open, but there's not really anything more we can do. That sounds like we're giving up. Yeah. Do not say that to a family when your fucking literal job is to search for someone yeah. until they are found. I mean, I've said that in several relationships. What? Where I'm just like, I feel like there's nothing more I can do here. But when it comes to a loved one, no. Say something, I'm giving up on you. Oh, I love that song. So then they do something. And again, we don't talk about this a lot. They clean out Michael's apartment. Yeah. I... I don't think about that. That's true. I mean, number one, it does have to be said, if you ever have to do that for me, I'm saying this now in a public forum, toss it. Yeah. Toss it all. There is stuff hidden in every nook and crevice and corner of my house. Don't read it. Don't look at it. Don't smell it. Don't take a picture of it. Don't ask questions. You know what? Torch it. Actually, I changed my mind. Torch it all. The just, whole house? The whole house. Just, just <laughs> go about your business. Go about your life. Speak of me fondly and serve barbecue at my funeral. I don't want to think about you going through my house because you'll find some shit. You know what? I got you. Thank you, baby. I will make that happen. I actually know you will. Yeah. But that is something that you don't think about. Going through someone's house. Yeah, they had to put his stuff in storage, but like the rent's got to get paid. You know, it's stuff like that. It's it's really, I mean, it's got to be absolutely devastating because you are so sweet. Well, you're riding the line, right? Of, of hope. And right. If I pack it up, am I giving up? Yeah. If I pack it up, is he not coming home? But it's true. What are you going to, you know, pay the rent? So They do believe he went out to the water. Yeah. I mean, we should say that over the weeks, this family was on an emotional roller coaster. They got a lot of false alarms, you know, bodies washing ashore that aren't his, a fraud attempt on his fucking bank account. Fucking get bent. You can fucking choke. Yeah, truly. But Brother Tyler says, like, look, he either drowned or he's out in the world leading a new life, which is what I want to believe. But, you know, all signs do point to... Yeah, it was something he liked to do. And the ocean does appear so peaceful when it's dark, and it's fucking not. No. It's fucking scary. And so then we learned Brother Tyler actually moved to Hermosa to play a bigger part in the kids' lives. Again, chills up my arms. Brother Tyler, you are a down bitch. Yeah. And... Crescene speaks to how resilient her kids are and that they're okay. I mean, they're not okay, but they're okay, yeah. you know? And then twist, the kids are here. They do a little interview and the oldest one is like, you know, it's going to be hard to not have him here for all the first, like the first time I drive, graduating high school, things like that. I mean, yeah, they're very, very sweet. And also it should be said that, you know, every state is different as to when you can declare a missing person deceased. Even though that's painful, it is necessary for a bunch of different reasons, you know, real paperwork reasons, you know, insurance and things like that. And then the state of California, it's five years. So just last March in 2021, they had to go through that heartbreaking process of declaring him legally deceased. It seems like they've embraced the idea that he probably went night yeah. swimming and didn't yeah. make it. And nobody likes that. Nobody no. likes that. Nobody wants to think about that. You don't want to think that can like happen to you. Yeah. But if there is any hope that is still alive for this beautiful family, you are encouraged to call the Hermosa Beach Police Department at 310-318-0308. Say something funny. Well, do you think we could hire an HR company to oversee our friendship? Because you've been crossing some lines today. Bow, 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 We have really lost.
lost the key of that. Uh, we we don't know what that key is anymore. I bow 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 It's starting to morph. It's starting to morph. It's starting to get like when Patrick was here. Oh! oh! You guys, if you <laughs> have not been to our Instagram and seen Joey singing the cranberries as Patricia <laughs> because at Obsess Fest, we did something called Christopher Narrates Your Life. It was one of the highlights of the fucking weekend for me. Christopher Same. was a fucking gem. And Patrick does the most spot-on impression of him singing the Joey cranberries. Joey does. You said Patrick does. Oh, I, Patrick. Patrick. Nobody does Patrick like Patrick. Nobody does Patrick <laughs> like Patrick. And I, I, put, I put sing in air quotes because I'm not sure what that was, but it is so fucking funny. Head on over to our socials <laughs> and take a look at that. You won't be disappointed. We are at The Disappeared Pod on Instagram, and we are on Obsessed Disappeared on TikTok. We are also on Twitter. You can also join our Facebook group. It's called The Obsessed with Disappeared Facebook. Facebook discussion group where we discuss Obsessed with Disappeared. And everything <laughs> else you want to discuss. It is the down bitch. It's like, you hello. We call all the down bitches and that's how they come. We love engaging with you. We love seeing your pictures. We love hearing from you. So if you are having a good time, please head on over to iTunes or wherever you review Spotify, iTunes, Amazon Music. Who knew we were there? And give us a review and tell people why you are enjoying yourself because it really does help us grow our audience. It does. Unless your name is Misty456. You, you don't say nothing. You can choke. <laughs> and we love you so much. And stop by our Patreon because we have a new series that we're starting soon. <laughs> and of course, many announcements to come. I love you, Joey. I love you too, Yellow Mars. We love you, Don't Bitches. Love you guys. Bye. Bye. <laughs> My post-divorce was like as stable as a fucking Ikea desk. Well, you, know you also I mean? married the Amelia Bedelia of husbands. <laughs> truly. You know, the trick is to put a little fear in kids. Yeah. You know what? You sound terrible. I'm ter the trick is to put a little cocaine on their <laughs> cornflakes. That's the opposite of what you need. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Honey, all of your mistakes and your bad decisions are plastered for the world to see. That's not a world I want to live in. I'm proud to be a 90s baby. Could you imagine if the things that we recorded ourselves doing in the 90s when we were kids, being stupid and like lip syncing and all that, made its way to the internet now? No. My life would be over. <laughs> They'd be like, remember it? Somebody be stoned somewhere now. Being like, remember that kid who was lip syncing to Sandy Patty? That would be me. Anyway, I did not get fired. We never spoke after that. And we had to, the HR director had to say, okay, you cannot put your hands on anybody, but just for the record, your collarbone is not your titty. 